in the name of Jesus Christ, our God, our Lord, that all complacency would be removed in Jesus' name. Just the sitting and being okay with, with not wanting more of you, God, you just eradicate it in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Yes. We would not no longer be desensitized to your blood and what you've done to pursue relationship with us. You want to know us. Yeah. And, and I just pray, God, we would come under your lordship because you are Lord. We would come sit and find our place in your kingdom because you are king. Let us come into your counsel this morning, Jesus, our mighty counselor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, what's up, church? What's up, church? We miss you. We love you. Um, Let's read today, we're Luke 22, verse 24 through 34. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater? one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Miss that guy, huh? Ma'am, praise the Lord. Welcome to the church, amen? Amen. All right, Hebrew, you with us? Say amen. Yeah, right. We said it for him. All right, cool. Right on, man. So um, pretty heavy scripture, you know, a little bit. I mean, it's kind of, it kind of got heavier and heavier as it went. But let's just challenge this house that we're trying to build here today. All right, the word that we're allowing God to use us uh, and, you know, to, and, and to, to, to just build build us up in, in Christ. Amen. Because that's what we're here for. Amen. To know Jesus, right? To make Jesus known, lead other people to do the same thing. Amen. So, so check this out. I'm going to put this up here. You will never understand the life you have been given to live until you can truly know the life that Jesus lived for you. Basically the example that he gave us right? The life that he lived for you, the life that he laid down for you, all right? The, the sacrifice that he, that he made for us, that he paid for us, all right? And the life that he picked back up so that you can truly live the, the power that he, that he left us. 
You can never understand the life that you have been given to live. This walking around life, this living life, this breathing life. You can never really understand it until you can truly know the life that Jesus lived for you, laid down for you, and picked back up for you so that we can truly live. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God, man. And so, so um, in this text that we have today, you know, we have to be reminded of where we're at in history. What's actually where, where we're at. This is the night. This is the last night of Jesus's life before the cross and before the resurrection. All right. This is that night. This is that heavy night, man. All right. This, this night, this very night that we're in right now tonight with this scripture, this very night, we're actually going to be here. There's so much here. We're going to be here until Easter, man. It's kind of crazy. There's so much to learn over in this one night because this night he's going to, he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten. I mean, a few times near death. All right. You know, and in the morning he's going to be nailed to a cross. It's a pretty important night. I think we would do well to pay attention. Amen. (laughs) Good morning. Hey, happy Sunday. Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. And Lord God, help us, Lord God, to to, to, to lean in to exactly where you're calling us to lean in with this scripture today. There's so much packed in the things that we're going to talk about today, but I truly believe you gave us an example of true greatness of true love, of true servanthood in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we can not only understand it, but we can accept this and live this life out for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at the story tonight or today, right? And, 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 and when we do look at the story, we, we know our context, all right? We know how we're going to view this story. We know how, you know, we know about servant leadership. We know that Jesus came to serve. We know all the, the context and all the different lessons that we can learn out of the story. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to, to, to uh, look at this story, what is actually happening here, this historical event that truly happened. I want you to look at it with a different lens this morning. Try to look at it in their context. They don't know the end of the story like we know. It is happening in real time for these apostles there. And so picture the scene with me. All right? It is the last night. Jerusalem is packed with people. Jesus is walking through the crowd with his 12 disciples. All right, he's got all 12 of them at this point and he's walking through the crowd and they come up to this building and there's these stairs that go up to the upper room there and they go up these stairs and they go into this room and there's a table that's been set for Passover meal. All right? And this table has been set and they sit down, man, and, and Jesus has so much to say and he's speaking into their life so deeply And as they're having supper, he knows where he's getting ready to go. See, Jesus is the only one who truly understands what is about to happen. He tried to share it with the boys, but they weren't getting it, man. He knows that he is about to go through craziness. And he's going to eventually give back to the father. But he knows also why he's doing it. And in the middle of supper, 
right? They're sitting there around this supper, right? They're, they're hanging out, man. And he gets up and he takes off his outer garment and he lays it aside. And they're looking at him because all eyes are on Jesus, right? And we're looking at him too right now. Why is he getting up from the table? He walks over and he grabs this really long towel, wraps it around his waist, ties it, and it hangs off to the side. He grabs the water basin that is by the front door. See, because traditionally, these people would know, man, contextually, they would know that, that when you enter someone's house, when you enter a room, you just came off dirt roads, you're wearing sandals, your feet are crusty, and there would usually be a servant in these, in, these, in these places that you would rent or come and hang and accommodate, right? There would be a servant there to wash your feet as you came in. But there was no servant in this room. It was missing. And then you see Jesus grab the basin and you know he's, what he's gonna do. And inside you're like, man, he, we can't let him do this. I mean, you're sitting at the table. You know Jesus is getting ready to come over and wash your dirty feet, man. And, and are you like, all right, hey, here you go. <sighs> right now, now, I don't think not a one of us would be like, come on, man. You can do better than that. Did you bring any lotion? <laughs> How about a pumice stone? Nothing? Right. No, we're not thinking like that. We're thinking, oh my gosh, we're hiding our feet. Please, no, 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 no. I don't. And you don't have the, the guts or the courage or even the whatever it takes to get up and say, let me do it, Lord. He's just moving too fast. Caught us totally off guard. And then Jesus kneels before the ones who should be kneeling before him, amen? He kneels before us. He kneels before the ones who should be kneeling before them, grabs that foot, and starts washing it and washing the next foot. He even comes to the one who is betraying him. He kneels before the one who's already betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver and is on the point looking for an opportunity to, to, to bring everybody in to get him. And Jesus knows this and he grabs his foot. Imagine What's taking place there? And he washes his foot, his feet. And he comes over to Peter. Oh, Pete, got a lot of Pete's in here. No, Lord, you're not gonna wash my feet. No, no, no. <laughs> what's the matter with you guys? <laughs> are you the only ones here that are not gonna let this happen? I know what's going on, Lord. No, I'm not like these guys. You're not washing my feet, man. I'm not gonna let you do that. And Jesus tells him, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you have no part of me. Hmm, okay. Wash my feet. How about my hands? Wash my head. Take off. Do the whole thing, right? The whole thing. And he says, no, man, this is all you need to do. He washes their feet, he gets up, puts the bowl down, the towel down, sits back down at the table, reclines there, and says, you know what I've done? I've given you an example of how you're to lead this way forward. He's talking to those who are going to be responsible for the grand opening of the church. And he says, look at man, what I've done with you, this is how you're going to roll this out. This is how you're going to lead others into the same. 
This is true greatness. He says, a student is not above his master. The messenger is not greater than the one who sent. You would do well if you do this. And then he said, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. And they started tripping, man. They started going, well, who's it going to be? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? What about you? You know, Peter's telling John, man, hey, man, ask him if, who it is. You know, they're tripping. Pastor Justin gave a good account of Judas a, few week, a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Chad did an amazing account yesterday of this supper. But that's what he left them with when he's going to betray me. And he tells Judas, go, go handle it. And so we come to our story here in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, and here's what it says. Now we can understand the dispute that is taking place here. A little more, uh, you know, a little more intelligently, we have a, a better look at this. A dispute arose among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. I mean, he just got through saying, one of you is going to betray me, right? So immediately they started tripping and saying, well, it ain't going to be me. I'm the best dude at this table. Ain't nobody like me. I mean, because each of them could actually say, I've been with him this whole time, right? I, he, he, remember he told us to go cast out demons? I went and did it. Preach the gospel? I went and did it. Heal the sick? I went and did it. I've been standing with him when he opposed the religious elite. I was right there, man. Isn't it obvious who is greater than the rest? Each of them were probably thinking this. Today, they'd be saying, what's man? I'm the only one in my family who prays and reads the Bible. I'm the greatest one in this dang family, right? I'm the only one from my high school class that goes to church anymore. Obviously, I'm the greatest. I'm the only one rolling down the road with a church sticker on the back. Who cares if I cuss that dude out who cut me off? He just don't know how great I am. <laughs> right? These guys knew the scriptures and they're, they're having this argument yet and they knew what Isaiah said about this. In Isaiah 65, he says, he said in verse two, he says, I spread out my hands all day to rebellious people who walk in a way that's not good, following their own devices. These people are provoking me to my face constantly. God is saying this. And look where his, look what he says about him. He says, these people who say, look at verse five of 65. He says, these people who say, keep yourself. Don't come near for I'm too holy. Too holy. He says, these guys are like smoke in my nostrils. How many of you love to be at a good fire and just, ah, all that smoke in your nostrils. He says, this kind of arguing of who is better and who is greater and who is holier. Okay? He says, this is smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. Can you guys get a hint here? The only person that you should strive to be better than today is the person that you were yesterday. Amen. That is the only person on the planet. Amen? Yeah, that's good, right? 
The only person you should strive to be better. Strive. You should work. You should aim. You should actually put in some, uh, some, some heavy breathing and head in after this person. The only person you should strive to be better than today is the person that you were yesterday. Verse 25, and he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over them and, they, and those in authority over, are, over them are called benefactors. In other words, those guys who just want to make sure they're getting all the credit. We look at that and not much has changed, right? I mean, the most common pursuits of greatness in our world today, all right, that, that was then and still is today is a pursuit for power, control, comfort, and approval. Power, control, comfort, and approval. This is the pursuit for greatness. Power, indulgence, uh, influence, or recognition over others. Do you recognize who I am? Do you see that I am, you know, the one in power here? Control to have everything go according to my plans. Because my plans are the best plans. Comfort, pleasure, all right, and continual ease at the cost of other people. Approval, recognition of all the above. Did you see that? All this feeds a better than you attitude. Before, back in the day, they would call it a holier than thou attitude. But this is, you know, today, so we'll call it a better than you attitude. And what's even crazier is how this attitude creeps into the church. It keeps creeping into the church. I mean, you ever look across the aisle or when you're coming in and, and think, what is, what is that person, what is that person doing here? Hmm? You ever come in here before God, right? I mean, but you're before God all day long anyways. I think that you might just be a little bit better than that one over there. <laughs> we, uh, we thought one time of putting a mirror out and in the hallway as we're getting ready to walk in. So when you ask that question, you can look in the mirror. <laughs> what are you doing here? Praise the Lord. Thank God. Right? Amen. Amen. What if we realized, check this out. What if we not only realized, but even acted upon the understanding that, 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 that what if we realized that, that our better, our better was to help those and help others maybe get better. Man, man, what if we realize that, that our better, the better that we've come in life, and I mean, you, so many of us have come so far in life, made some serious traction, praise the Lord, amen? Because of God, amen? How many of us, if we'd realize that that better that we were than that person we were yesterday is not just so we can look better and nice and shiny, but for somebody else, to help somebody else be better. Our better was for somebody else's uh, benefit and to help them get better. What's even crazier with this argument of, of who's better and who's greater is, is, is when we look at other churches and do the same. Churches who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our King Jesus, who believe Jesus is God, who believes that the Holy Spirit has been given to every believer, all right, for the power of Christ and for the common good of the church, who believes in the, in the, in the, in the advancement of the kingdom of God through his church, who believes the word is unfallible word of God, all right, who believes that Jesus is Lord and God of all. Amen. All right, we, how, how can we look at another church and say, well, our church is better than yours? 
spoiler, there's only one church. Amen. 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 Ain't yours. It's his. We're his. We're all his. I'm his. You're his. We're his. Amen. There's only one church, man. All right. And this continual like, oh, we're better. We're better. It's just tearing the body of Christ apart. And I believe it grieves his Holy Spirit. You see, our primary concern here at the church is that you would become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a, a disciple, excuse me, a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. All right? We want you to, 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 to know that you can know Jesus and grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our desire. And if you get that here, amazing. If you don't get that here and you get that at a different church, praise the Lord. Amen? Because it's going to take all of us. He says in verse 26, but, 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 but this is not so with you. The way that they, they lord, you know, exercise lordship and who's greater and who's better and all that, that stuff, right? This is not so with you. Rather, let the, let the greatest among you become as the youngest. Basically, the youngest was considered the least, all right? And the leader is one who serves, The easiest, I mean, and even weakest form of leadership is to rely on our position, all right, to announce our authority. The easiest and I think even weakest form of leadership is to rely on our position to announce our authority. And I'm not just talking in the workplace and in the, I'm, I'm a dad. And just for me to say, yeah, I wear the title dad, you know what I mean? Let that position announce my authority. That's weak. That's weak. I'm a grandfather. I'm a grandfather. All right, hey man, I'm the grandfather here. Just that word's supposed to announce my authority in this family? That's weak. It's just weak, man. You know, I'm telling you right now, what if our authority was recognized by our service for those in our care? What if we were recognized, once again, to be the greatest servant in our family? Mother, father, brother, sister, grandfather, grandmother, aunt, uncle, I don't care who you are, daughter, son. What if our position was, and our authority was recognized by our service? What if our greatness was recognized, all right, by our partnership in the gospel? even our imitation of our Savior. There's a lot here, man. What? This is mind-blowing. It's freaking me out. Praise the Lord. Amen? The Apostle Paul puts it this way. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, there's so much more in that, in that chapter, in that whole book, but in that chapter, all right? But he says this, and he's speaking to the church. He's talking to us, to me and you. And he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, all right, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, is any of that stuff evident right now in, in your life? All right, if there's any encouragement in Christ, are you encouraged by Jesus? If there's any comfort from love, are you comforted by his love? Is there any participation in the spirit? Are you recognizing this is bigger than you and bigger than me? All right, All right you know, if there's any affection, any sympathy, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. He says, do nothing 
from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, this is such a key word. We love seeing this in others and we have such a hard time portraying it in our life. Humility is the most, is, is the first and foremost characteristic of every human being you know, that, that allows them to know exactly who Jesus is. Without humility, you're not gonna know who Christ is. You will not be able to accept it without humility. Humbleness places us in the right position to recognize that I'm not God and he is. He says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourself, which was in Christ Jesus, we're seeing the example, all right, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Though he was, Jesus was God, all right, he didn't count that, he didn't come around just shoving, I'm God, I'm God, did you know I'm God, did you know that? Instead, look at verse seven. He emptied himself of all of that godly, I can't even think of the best word to say. Prestige is not good enough. Godly, uh, whatever privileges, I don't know. Just, he emptied himself of all that. And taking the form of a servant, he didn't come as a king, you know, in the greatest country on the planet or a statesman. He came ground level to serve, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself. He led us in true humility by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He says, do that. That's the life of a follower of Jesus. I mean, consider the very common contrast. I got to share this um, with my table this week. A little bit of this. There's more. Um, so be, I'm going to put some stuff up here. I want you to be honest because we just, we just read through. Like, here's, here's what he's asking. All right? He's asking this. But here's the contrast. I want you, I want you, does any, does any of the following, be honest, don't, don't say it out loud or raise your hand or anything, um, you know, uh, but just, just, just be honest. Does any of the following describe you? You passionately love Jesus, but you really don't want to be like him. I mean, you, you passionately love Christ, but you're not sure you really want to be exactly like him. Or, or you admire his humility but you don't want to be that humble. You think it's beautiful that he washed the feet of the disciples, but that's not exactly the direction your life is heading. Basically, you think he's a great savior, but just not your role model. Gotta be honest. He just gave us this, 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 charge in Philippians chapter uh, 2 verse 1 through 8 and I want to challenge you did any of that just ring true in any area of your life and if so what are you going to do about that I can't come in here and just tell you here's what you need to do man 
I got three things I want you to do. I got five things I want you to do. I got one thing, and I do have one thing I want you to do. Get close and stay close to Jesus Christ. The choice is yours on which way to lead your life. Which way to lead this life. See, Jesus, in this night with the boys, man, at this table, he's given an open challenge to those who would lead and be his church. The question is, are we trying to hear it? Do you hear that? <laughs> Some, I think I forgot to turn the ringer off on my phone. Apologize. Hello. <laughs> I'm totally preaching right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> go online. Yeah, the church, YouTube, all that. Yes. Hurry up, man. I'm got to go. Love you. <laughs> Just lost everything right there. Sorry. <laughs> this is why we turn our ringers off in church. Actually did that on purpose. It was an object lesson. All right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> all right, <laughs> the choice is yours, right? which way to lead this life. Here we go. Let me get us back where we were. Jesus is giving an open challenge. He's given an open challenge to those who would lead his church and those who would be his church. Is that you? You're like, I don't want to lead it, but are you his church? Are you trying to hear this challenge? Verse 27, he says, for who is greater? All right, let me just give you an example, right? He says, let me, who's greater, the one who reclines the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines the table, but I'm among you as one who serves? He says, look at who's greater when you come into the house and you sit at the table, all right, and you're waiting for service or the one who's just waiting for you to get home so they can serve you? Who is greater in our perspective in this world? And we've been taught, all right? We know the answer is like one who, uh, the one who sits at the table, right? And Jesus says, yes, that's, that's we, we get that, but, but I'm here to show you something different. I'm among you as one who serves. Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the son of man cannot be served, uh, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. He said, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my father has assigned to me a kingdom so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He says all this, but he actually says, I'm here as one who serves. And, and like we're in the context of their listening, those two don't match. We got the king of kings, the greatest leader to walk this planet, took the lowliest form of servanthood. He could have demanded service. He was God. He is God. But instead, he demonstrated the way God chooses to change the world through humility 
and love. There is nothing more powerful than humility and love. The greatest power and authority on earth is humility and love. Love and humility. Those are the ones we, we, we challenge. That's the history we challenge. Jesus is the most memorable person in history. And it wasn't because he came with this, this mighty army and conquered Rome and, and Babylon and all these different places. It wasn't because he set up this huge throne in the, in the, there in the Middle East, man, at a time where everybody could just see him. It wasn't because, it was, it was because he humbled himself to the point of death, to the, to the cross, all right? In humbleness and in love, he, he gave his life for the ransom of every one of us. That is why he is the most memorable person in history. When we live and when we lead our lives above his standard that Jesus set for us, our pride actually gives the enemy opportunity in our life. When we say, God, I appreciate your service and the washing of the feet and all that stuff, but that's just not the route I'm going, all right? Uh, you know, I love you passionately, but I don't, want, I don't want to be like you. When we try to lead our lives above his standard, like there actually isn't above his standard, set our, we set ourselves up for open game for the, an opportunity for the enemy. That's why he looked at Peter and he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. He knew he had an opportunity. The enemy knows he has an opportunity with Peter's pride. He ain't, talking, he ain't touching my feet. All right, give me it all. And because of Peter's pursuit, and even all their pursuit, all right, he, they all gave him opportunity for the enemy. It's even crazier when he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. The, the you in the original Greek language is plural. All right? It was directed at Peter, but it's left available for the rest of us. You get that? Good. Verse 32, he said, but I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned... Strengthen your brothers. He's actually telling Peter that the enemy is going to work overtime for you, bro. And he's going to work overtime to take Peter's eyes and his loyalty off Jesus. But then he speaks into the knowledge of Peter's heart when he says, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. When you repent, lead your brothers to do the same and to stand firm again in their faith. Here's what I know, man, about the best part of a testimony. My favorite part of anybody's testimony, and I believe to be the best part of anybody when they are given their testimony, all right, is, is, is actually repentance, 
all right? The power of repentance granted by our king, not the strength it took, all right, to find repentance, not how crazy their life was before repentance. That is not the best part of a testimony. The best part of any testimony is the grace that was given by the best, by the greatest, by the most high, by the king of kings, by the Lord of lords, by God almighty, the creator of time, space, and universe. When that grace was poured out for the each individual, that is the greatest part of any salvation story. Amen? Amen? Come on, man, because we could all share that one. The undeserved grace. That's the best part. The most encouraging part. The most strengthening part. Amen? Then Peter said to him, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Peter just said, you know what? How about these guys? <laughs> I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And you know, for Peter, it wasn't, wasn't really a lie, but he, it was also not a ready statement. It wasn't a lie. He wasn't really lying, but it wasn't a ready statement. He wasn't ready to own that statement. You ever say something you just weren't ready to own? It just came out, and you're like, oh, dang, I didn't think about this, this, and this, and this. You know what I mean? After all this, I'll do that. You know, right? You ever do that? It happens to me with the dishes all the time. Anyways, all right? <laughs> all right? Peter, his pride spoke before his heart was ready to consider what was being said and who was saying it. Jesus was trying to tell him, you got a target on your back, bro, but I got your back. Jesus was trying to hook a brother up. The dude ain't trying to listen. And so he tells him, Peter, I'll tell you, Peter. Jesus said, I'll tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. It was nighttime. Jesus is getting ready to go through some crazy stuff this night. And he said, before that rooster crows, Three times, you're going to deny me. But he reminded him, he said, but when you turn back, he said, before he even said, when you turn back, you, you, will be, you, know, you will be received back. And you will be empowered to help turn and lead others back. Each of our lives are a comeback story waiting to happen. Every one of our lives, man, are, are a comeback story waiting to happen and positioned to help others with their comeback story. I always, I tell you this all the time, and it always rings true, man. All of us are either going through something really, really crazy, or we just came out of something really, really crazy, or we're headed into something really, really crazy. It's just life. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have tribulations. It's going to get rugged, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this whole life. And when you return, remember that this is a we story, not just a me story. Strengthen your family. Lift up your brothers. Encourage your sisters. Lifting is best done underneath rather than, 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 than lording over. Well, you need to, and you don't, I don't know why. You, no, it's getting down into the trenches with the hurt, with the pain. 
and saying, I'm just gonna throw my shoulder down here so you can lean on it and I'm gonna help you lift up. And then when your head's down, I'm gonna lift it up because like he's right here. He's right here. This is the servant life that Christ has called us to. This is the greatest life that we can live. It requires humility and a servant's heart. And when you turn back and you say, praise the Lord, that was crazy. You know, I'm good now. Understand that your brother or your sister that is not far from you may not be good. And they're going to need your story to help their story. Amen? It's all his story anyways, right? So lead it forward and serve. The greatest leaders are humble followers of our great God and King. Amen? The world's greatest leaders are sitting in this room right now. Humble followers. Sitting in, where'd they go? That room over there too. Humble followers of our great God and King. Imitators of Jesus Christ. So just to kind of help us continue to frame this thinking into our hearts this week. Many of you are knocking this out of the park, all right? Um, but I also need just reminders. I want you to take that scripture we read a little earlier, Philippians chapter two, verses one through eight. All right, Philippians chapter two, verses one through eight. That would be the second chapter of Philippians, starting in the first verse all the way to the eighth verse. All right? All right, 218, 218, Philippians. Not, not the Philippines, but the Philippians. 218, take that verse with you this week. I know you're probably in another reading or something. Maybe set it aside for a week or put this one in front of it. But as you read this verse, ask God, who can I serve like this today? Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to be right here to pray with you. If you need prayer, we'll have a mouthful of mints ready to just pray into your life for your, the glory of God. All right? Why don't you stand with us?
Thank you that you chose to be the lamb, to be sacrificed on our behalf. Let us not just, just want you as our savior and leave the king stuff to the side, God, but let us submit to you as the Lord of Lord, the king of kings of, of our life, God. Let us look different because we're following you into servanthood and then into glory. Bless your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We here at the church want to partner with you in this walk and in this kingdom life, in this, this what it looks like to, to submit and have Jesus be our role model and, and to wash the feet of those around us. We wanna partner with you in that. And the first step in that partnership is if you're just checking us out or maybe you just, you're new here and you wanna figure out what we're all about, that the first step is our discovery class. So if you haven't yet attended our discovery class, I strongly, I want you, I want you to, I strongly encourage you to, please do it. Please attend our, um, our next discovery class is going to be April 7th. It's the Sunday after Easter. So April 7th during the 11 o'clock service hour. So it's this like what's coming up next during this 11 o'clock hour down in the war room, you'll get to meet the pastors and staff, key ministry leaders. You'll get to see kind of what we are as a church, what makes us unique, our, we call our DNA. You'll get to see all of that and unpack all of that. Ask your questions. You'll get to know us better and we'll get to know you better also. So as we partner in this life and in this kingdom life together, we want to walk this partnership with you. And the discovery class is the first step. So I, um, you can check out our app or you can check out the connect desk in the lobby if you have any questions, but we would love to see you and meet you there. But guys, this is now it's, it doesn't end here. This is just like, this is the pep rally before we go out, right? This isn't the end all be all. So now that we have got our encouragement, it's time for us to go and to live this and to be the church. We love you guys.